We are New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. A community church in the city of Chicago, all over the city, for the good of the city. Right now, we are in the middle of our series, Philippians. A study through this letter and its powerful application to our lives and becoming more like Christ. Wherever you're listening, I hope you are blessed by this message. This is Kana Kuri. Everyone say, hi, Kana Kuri. Hi, Kana Kuri. Welcome, Kana Kuri, to New Life Rogers Park. We want to introduce everybody here to you, okay? So Kana Kuri is actually a marathon runner, Olympic standards. In 1911, he had the world's fastest marathon. He's from Japan, so Japan decided to send him to the, to the Olympics that next year, all the way in Sweden. The only problem with this was that during the trip, which took about 18 days, train, uh, boats, all this different stuff, he got super sick. Super sick, okay? And he, it took him like five days in Sweden just to recover so he could run the race. And on top of that, the food was... Not what he was used to, so it made him kind of nauseous. And then on the day of the race, there was record temperatures in Sweden. So halfway through this marathon, Kanakuri collapses, passes out solid in the middle of a field, and wakes up inside a farmer's hut. Like all these Swedish people are like gathered around him, staring down, you know, like in the movies. movies. And he's like, bink, bink. And like, hello, are you okay, mister? He's like, where am I? Okay, he, they cared for him for several days, and then, without going back to like the, the, the start, the finish, or anything, he just left. Okay, he's like, hey, anybody heading to Japan? Okay, he left without telling anybody. Now, the Swedish authorities started looking everywhere for him. They literally were, he was a missing person. They kept looking for him, looking for him, looking for him for 50 years. I'm not making this up. For 50 years, he was on Sweden's missing persons list, okay? They thought he was still living out somewhere or his body was somewhere. They were literally searching for him for that whole time until they found out that he had gone back to Japan. It took them 50 years because they found out, because they found him running other marathons in Japan in other Olympic um, uh, competitions. So they, they found it and they're like, bro, how come you never told us that you were alive? We've literally been searching for you forever. And they offered him, would you like to finish the marathon you started all that time ago? He agreed. He agreed. So literally in 19, let me look, I think it was 1967, he went over to Sweden and finished the race. It took him a total of 54 years, 8 months, 6 days, 5 hours, 32 minutes, and 20.3 seconds. It might be the world's longest marathon now. And after he was being interviewed at the completion of the race, he said this, It was a long trip. Along the way, I got married, had 6 kids, and 10 grandchildren. And he had finally finished the race. <laughs> 
This morning, you are joining the one, the only, the New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. Throw some party emojis in the chat. Put some memes in there. I don't even know if you can put memes in there, but hack the system and put them in there, okay? I want to know how excited you are to be here with us this morning because you know I'm excited. There's no question about that, obviously. But I am glad you are here with me this morning. My name is Galen. I am a pastor here at the church. And part of what I get to do every week, every week, I get to connect you with God and His words. God and His words, which is contained in that little book called the Bible. All right? And New Life Community Church, we believe that the Bible actually contains God's words. Someone please say God's words. God's words. Yes. And you know what happens when you encounter God's words? It causes your whole world to go upside down. Topsy-turvy, flippy-floppy, you know, because God's words are complete truth and reality. God's words are wholeness and joy. And God's words are complete and freeing. Well, our lives, well, our lives are a whole lot of the time on the opposite side of everything I just said. We're usually a mixture of lies, hypocrisy, and fruit loops, okay? And Fruit Loops, because that's probably what God says when he sees you. Like, look at that little Fruit Loop down there, okay? That's, that's probably why none of you can even disagree with that, right? But here's my prayer for you this morning. My prayer for you is that God would realign you with God's truth and reality, the way he created you to be. Because I know, I know it's so easy for us to get off track. It's, it's, it's easy for us to feel like a failure, so you just exit so, you know, the race without telling anyone, right? It's easy to decide, you know what, I think I'll just go and do my own thing and stop worrying about what I was supposed to do. You see, you have a lot more in common with that marathon runner, Kanakuri, than you even can know, all right? But Praise be to God. Praise be to God. He has not left us to try and find our own way back, okay? He's not left us out there and he says, when you come back, I will help you. He's just like the Swedish government that never gives up, okay? 50 years down, they're still looking for you. That's how God is. He, you could go out and live in the wild for the last 50 years, but God is still chasing you down and he can still bring you back. God's even better than the Swedish government because he knows what's happened in your life. He knows what's gotten you to the place where you're at right this morning when you're listening. He knows right where you're at right now and he knows what you need to hear, what you need to do to get back on track and get back in the race. Can I get a hallelujah? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So get ready because God is coming for you this morning. Let's go. So go ahead. Pull out, pull up that Bible, okay? This morning, I got my trusty tablet, you know? Find the screen or the printed Bible, the one I always tell you to get and you never do. I want you to do it this morning, okay? I want you to get out the Bible and follow along with me. But Pastor G, I don't got a Bible. You got the internet, okay? Internet is this nice thing where it has a free Bible. You just type it in, okay? I want you to find it this morning. Follow me yourself at Philippians chapter three. 
Three to the three, three, three. That's where we're going. Chapter three, chapter three, chapter three. You got to see what's in here this morning. This morning. You can't afford to miss it. Now, I know some of you have heard this a bunch of times. I know you've heard it a lot, but I got to give you a quick reminder about what's been happening, okay? You see, this section that we're at is actually a letter. It's actually a letter from the Apostle Paul written to the church in Philippi that he started 20 years ago. And now, 20 years later, Paul is sitting in prison looking at future execution and he's spending his time writing letters to all the churches that he started. It's not exactly a fun place to be, but our man Paul is not going to waste any time. And he just picks up that pen and the paper and starts writing. And this is what's so powerful. While he's writing to the church in Philippi, the Holy Spirit is inspiring words in him. Yes, someone say the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is working through him in order to have words that go far beyond what they were even originally meant for. God works in and through this man, Paul, to write this letter to the Philippian church, but also to us. And that's why we find ourselves today in chapter 3 of this immensely important letter. And if you missed any of the beginning of this letter, the other sermons, I want you to go back and listen to them. They're that important. But stick with us today. All right? Don't leave. Here we are today. Chapter 3, verse 1. Here's what Paul writes. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. You know what I find so funny about this section? Paul didn't start off with a therefore, right? Like all you were like, whoa, I was waiting for it. Like Pastor Gale would not have read that whole verse if there was a therefore there, okay? No, he, he kind of changes it up and he says further. And we're literally so confused because we've been working for years now on understanding therefore. And you got to be kidding me, Paul. You're, full, you're throwing another word in there. What is this one? What's the catchy little rhyme to help us know? You see... Usually Paul writes with therefores because he has like these run, long run-on sentence and ideas. It's always like, because of this, you got this. Because of this, you got this. And because of this, you got this. And then by the time you're reading something, you have to think back 300 sentences to see what this one means, okay? And I don't know if Paul noticed that and he's like, you know, we gotta move on. Kind of like that moment when the pastor realizes he's been preaching for 40 minutes on the same verse. And he's like, oh, we better move up. Not me, you know, but some pastors, they, they do that kind of thing. But Paul yells, rejoice in the Lord, right? Further, he's like, we're just moving on. New point. My brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Maybe he's saying it because we're finally moving on to a new subject. He's like, this is crazy. We've already talked about things like forever, the one topic. Now we're on to a new topic. Rejoice in the Lord. I don't know. Or maybe he's in the midst of prison and he somehow is finding joy. Okay, this dude is crazy. Throughout this whole letter, you see him constantly talking about joy. He's always saying, rejoice. I have found joy in the midst of all this crazy stuff that's happening in my life. He's got that crazy, deep kind of joy. So we don't really know, like, 
the kind of depths of joy he has. But that's, I, I, I think it's just spilling out. Like he's just like, you know, like, just like interjects. He's like, further, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me. You know, like he's just like, he like has like so much joy overflowing in him. Sometimes I do channel that spirit. So I think I can relate, Paul. Okay. So I think that's what's happening there. And then he says, it's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it is a safeguard for you. Now, Paul's about to remind us of something that he's written before. Notice he says, it's no trouble to write the same things to you again. Seems like he's written a letter already to the Philippians. I bet he wrote lots of letters to them. Right? And he's written something before them and he's saying, hey, it's not troubling me to write this to you again because I know you all forgot, okay? Or it's so important that I can't afford to not repeat it, okay? Some people may think like, I'm repeating the rejoice in the Lord, maybe. But once we read this next section, I think you'll agree that what we're about to read is really what Paul is going to repeat, like what he previously had talked about. Uh, so... Take a look at what Paul repeats. Verse 2. Go ahead and go to verse 2. He says this. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. Watch out. Everyone say, watch out. Watch out. Watch out for dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. I think this is what Paul finds it so important to repeat a second time. He needs to repeat a warning. A warning, as in, keep your eyes open. Something's coming. Don't fall asleep. Watch out. It's like when you're walking through the Chicago sidewalks, and you're like, watch out, as the person you're walking with is about to step in a big pile of dog poop that, you know, the, our nice neighbors did not clean up, okay? That's the kind of watch out, like, whoa, you just missed out on a very bad experience, okay? That's what he's saying, watch out. It's that same kind of sudden, like, shocked. And here's what Paul is saying. He says the dogs, evildoers, and mutilators of the flesh. Now, if you're like me, you'll see this list and think, okay, I get evildoers, but like, what is happening with these other ones? Dogs and mutilators of the flesh? Like, that sounds like a Netflix horror movie. You know, you'd find like, check out Mutilators of the Flesh 3, guys. It's even better than the last two. Okay, this, it's kind of a strange kind of terms that Paul tells us to watch out for, right? Like, and dogs, like some of us grew up in places where dogs are definitely scary. <laughs> they're rabid, they're running around <laughs> trying to kill us, and you know, you do want to watch out for dogs. But if you grew up in the US or you've been here for a while, this might seem a little strange to you because this is our impression of dogs, right? Like, oh, like what are they gonna do? Cuddle you to death? Okay, look, I got another one here. Like, Look at this little guy. You know, like, this is not a... Scared of these guys? Oh, he's just taking a bath, okay? No, no. see, this is what's happening here. All three of these names are referring to one group of people, okay? All these, they refer to one group of people. And here's who these people were. 
They were like packs of dogs that would roam around the area, the rabid kind, right? Kind of like this. If you run into a dog like this, you better scream and hide, okay? <laughs> this is what dogs most of the time were like in this age. They were like these packs of dogs that many of us have experienced in the countries we grew up in, where they're just off on their own, and they're not only are they like full of diseases and they want to bite you, but here's why they're so dangerous because they're always looking for the person that's off on their own or the animal, right? The prey, the easy prey where they can surround and overwhelm. That's the image that Paul is saying watch out for those dogs. And believe me, he's not talking about actually the physical dogs, even though I'm sure he was like, and by the way, do look out for the actual dogs. But he's talking about a specific type of people that likes to corner, to pinpoint, to find you when you're on your own, to make you their prey. He also calls them evildoers. That's pretty self-explanatory. If you're not sure, it's basically people that are doing things that are evil. Moving on. Finally, he calls them mutilators of the flesh. And on the surface, this is a creepy thing to call anyone. Okay? I don't want to run into anyone who has a nickname, Flesh Mutilator. Okay? <laughs> that just does not sound like a fun person to hang out with. But here's what Paul is saying. These people are saying that in order to follow Jesus, you have to mutilate your flesh. You have to be circumcised. Okay. If you're not sure what that is, I want you to ask the person next to you real quick, okay? No, just kidding. Don't do that. It's going to be embarrassing. Okay. Circumcision is this Jewish custom where they chopped a little bit of skin off of the male genitalia, okay? <laughs> just, that's what it is. Weird. I know you did not expect to talk about that this morning, but I got to let you know what mutilators of the flesh is, okay? Because that is mutilating some flesh, okay? Now, this actually happens still, many cultures, not usually for religious reasons, but for health reasons, not the same reason the Jewish people did it. But the Jewish people of that time have been given this command, circumcision, this promise through circumcision that God, as a sign of the promise, that he would always be there, that God would always watch over them. It, that doesn't sound too bad, right? Well, the Jewish people failed in so many ways, too many ways to count. So God kind of was like, you know, this isn't working. So I'm going to send down my son, Jesus, and he's going to die for all y'all, including the people who are not circumcised, the Jews and the Gentiles. That means like all the non-Jews, okay, who usually were not circumcised, okay? And apparently the females got a pass on this one, by the way. That's it. This group has been telling the churches that in this group that Paul's talking about, they've been telling the churches that in actually, in order to actually follow Jesus, you gotta have the whole circumcision thing still. And what does Paul say? Watch out! Watch out! Go back to the verse there. Watch out for these dogs, these evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. And if you put all three of those together, you want to know what it adds up to? Hmm? Do you really want to know? Are you sure you can take it? When you add all three of those points up, it adds up to 
legalism. Everyone say, no! <laughs> you can do a short one. No! <laughs> Every time you hear the word legalism, I want you to say, no! no. Because it's that bad, okay? Legalism. No. <laughs> she was taking a drink. Legalism. No. <laughs> this is what legalism no is. It's the idea that Jesus' death on the cross wasn't enough. That's what legalism is. No. It didn't. Jesus' death on that cross wasn't enough. It didn't go all the way. So we got to add a little bit of flavor, a little bit of spice, you know, on top. Otherwise, we're not going to make it. And that's what Paul is repeating and warning the church of right here. He's like, I've told you in a previous letter, but I need to tell you again to watch out. Specifically, these people were telling the church that they needed to be circumcised and follow other Jewish laws in order to actually be saved. They were in fact saying that unless you were circumcised, you're not going to get to heaven. You're not going to finish the race. In fact, you haven't even started the race. They were telling all of this church that Jesus didn't do it. All in order for you to be saved, in order for you to be redeemed, you also had to do a little bit of the snip-snip, okay? Now you all know what the snip-snip is after I've filled you in. I mean, I can tell you there's probably more reasons than one that these guys do not want to do the snip-snip, okay? <laughs> you say you're going to have to cut my what? Okay, Paul is way more concerned about something far more important than these guys' temporary pain, right? He's concerned about legalism. No! Circumcision or non-circumcision doesn't matter in Paul's eyes. And a whole people, lot of people just gave a huge sigh of relief. <sighs> right? But what matters is the reality that Jesus, that what Jesus did on that cross was enough. Was enough. That's what matters. And Paul doesn't want anyone to add to that for their own health as well as everyone else's. And this is where we have to start this morning. Remember the whole thing about life being a race, that we're going on this race. What you and I have to realize that morning, this morning is that to even start the race, to even start the race, to even begin, to get into the start of it, it's nothing but Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. It's funny because any other race in the world, what do you got to do? You got to qualify. You got to like actually be in shape. You got to pay some sort of money or something. You have to prove that you can finish. Christianity is the only race in the world where you don't have to prove anything to join in. Jesus covered you. And if you've heard something else, if someone else has told you, but you also got to join the political party. Dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. That's Paul, okay? That's what he would say. But, but wait, wait, you also have to get your life right first. Get rid of all that gross stuff. Dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh, right? You also have to give money to the church. Dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. You have to pray three times a day. Dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. You can't drink alcohol. Don't watch Harry Potter movies and or watch R-rated movies above all. Dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. You must eat Chick-fil-A whenever possible. Dogs, evildoers, mutilators of the flesh. That is 
What is happening? You think this is an old problem with circumcision? Oh, no, no, no. We got our own legalisms. No! And it definitely wasn't limited to circumcision. We got plenty and plenty of things that we like to add on top. We're like, man, no, you can't become a Christian unless you first got to get this also, this also, this also. Things that we hold over people and, and say, unless you do this, it's not enough. Legalism. No! Why? Why do we do this? Here's why. Because when we add these things, hear me on this. When we add these things, it gives us a tool to say, I'm in and you're out. Hear me on this. Hear me on this. We add things to allow ourselves to feel like we're better. Oh, sure. You would never say that's what's happening. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Your whole thing is way too easy. Okay? Too simple. It allows almost anyone in. Here's what I think. Let me come up with my own form of something to really prove that people deserve this. Okay? And then, oh, let me of course make sure it's something that I can do easily. Okay? That I don't have a problem with. Power. That's it. Plain and simple. Control. Legalism. No! It's all about control. How can we get our hands around this whole grace thing? It's just too crazy. Where's the levers and the controls, the things that I can force to work my way? So we come up with this. Homosexuals, you out. Had an abortion, you out. Don't care about the environment, you out. Haven't marched in a protest, you out. Born a Muslim, you out. Voted that way, you out. Have you ever killed, raped, lied, stole, broken, run, you out. And what would Paul say to us? What would God say to us? You dogs, you evildoers, you mutilators of the flesh. Oh, we get the same words. God is speaking to us this morning. The question is, are you hearing? You see, can't even begin to talk about how we run this race unless we see and believe that none of us deserve to start it. It's only God's grace. Only His free gift that allows us to even begin. It's all that matters. And maybe this morning you've been adding. You've been putting some stuff on top. It's filtered who you share Jesus with or how you share Him. Or you're sitting here and you've thought that forever you needed to get your life together first. So you've never accepted this free gift of God. I want you to know that it's free. I want you to know nothing more is needed from you. God tells us that we're all sinners. We're all sinners. We're all in need of redemption. And we confess before Jesus that we're sinners. We repent of our sin. And get this, get this. We are saved by His grace alone. Not because we got our lives right. Not because we changed something first or added something. But because by faith we believe that what Jesus did on that cross was enough to rescue and restore our relationship with God. That's the gospel. Just believe. Believe that Jesus died on that cross for you 
that that was enough and God will cover and redeem you. Sure, there'll be things you have to work on as you walk this life, but God will help you with that as you go. That's the start of this race. That's the start of this race. But keep, keep looking with me here. Verse 3, verse 3. We're going to keep going. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who serve God by His Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh. Remember I told you that circumcision is the promise to God's holy chosen people? That's what Paul is saying right here. He's saying, we are now that promise. We are the circumcision. You know, others may tell you that you got to do the snip snip. Okay? That's just legalism. No! But we are God's chosen people. His promised people who boast. Look at this. Who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in ourselves. Right? Nothing more, nothing less. We put no confidence in our flesh to have achieved any of that. But if you're still not convinced, okay, you still want to play games, let me tell you what's up. Go to verse 4. Paul's like, I had enough, okay? Uh, Though I myself have reasons for such confidence. This is Paul talking, not me. I, Paul, have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I've got more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. Paul's like, this Paul's like, you still want to play that legalism? No! Game? Okay? Fine. I got you beat. Here's my credentials. Okay? I just beat you at your game, and then I'm going to tell you that it's dumb. Okay? That's basically what he does. Okay? Which may not mean much to us, none of this stuff, but this is like a top resume for a Jewish keeping the law of the Old Testament kind of person. Okay? He's like, I got checked off every box. If you want to play the legalism game, I got way more than you. Okay? He was like top of the list. He was top dog. Right? Now you know what the dogs are, right? Do you think we can still play this game? Well, well, well. Paul's like that mob boss that just walked into the room and everyone thought they were so big and bad. And then he's like, you got nothing, okay? And all the legalists, no, would have jumped up and said, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. But look what Paul finishes with. Verse 7. But whatever, nope, uh, verse 7. <laughs> Do we have Philippians 3.7 available? <laughs> Did I forget to put that one in? I'll just read it. Oh, I put Ephesians by accident. So, we're not looking at Ephesians 7. This is what Paul finishes this with. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, 
and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. He's saying, none of it. I want none of it. Take it all. They're worthless. I give them all up because I've got something so, so much better. So much better. I'm talking about something that is worth it. Something that is worth giving up. Even the things that you think made you who you are. You see, as we run this race, you may have started it on grace, but we slowly accepted the lies, the lies of these deceivers, of the spiritual enemy, or of our own sinful heart, which tells you that, yes, of course Jesus is enough, but I just want to add a little bit of extra. Nothing wrong with getting my identity boosted up to the ceiling. Nothing wrong with my confidence being on point and my skills are fire. Or my hope being found in my bank account. Or my life being found in a romantic relationship. Nothing wrong with that. You see what's happening, right? All of these things, all good things, if they're in the right place. Paul's testimony was mostly things that were not sinful in themselves. But as soon as they started to take the top priority in his life, as soon as they started to define what type of race he was running, as soon as they became what gave him importance and freedom and joy, then they became a weight. Then they became a misdirection on the GPS, okay? They start to forcibly and subtly take you off the race you're running. I love what Paul says here, Philippians 3, verse 10. We got that one? Yep. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Get this. Paul is literally sitting in jail, about to die. Okay? This isn't just meaningless, spiritual, blah, 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 blah. Okay? He's literally saying, I want this, and he's doing it. He's giving it all up. He's not challenging us to something he isn't living. Okay? Here's what you got to know about getting back on track in this race, finding your way. Number two, lose the weight. Lose the weight. Now, I'm not talking about the physical pounds, but if you want to run a marathon, that might be a good idea, okay? What's one of the things that's going to hold you back if you were to run a marathon? Maybe the pounds you got in your stomach or your legs or wherever else they try to hide, okay? We, we, we stock up the weight in these hiding places. Let me tell you, every extra pound we have on us, halfway through the marathon, feels like 10 times. And as we get further along, it becomes so much until it slowly crushes us. And that's what we do with this race. We strap on all this extra weight. It's like we put, put on a backpack full of rocks. And then we try to run the race, right? We expect to actually finish this race. No way! Paul's screaming at you, you're not going to make it! Nothing, 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 nothing is worth more than Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. I imagine Paul, like he's like at the end of the movie, you ever see him like silhouetted with the sun, cowboy hat pulled down, you know? He looks up into the, the camera with a swagger on his face, you know? To, and he's like... Lose it all, baby. Okay? That's what Paul would have said, right? Roll credits, right? Paul was convinced, and so is God, by the way, that nothing matters in comparison. Okay? Don't believe me? Are you just mentally agreeing with me, but unwilling to actually let go of whatever it is that you've stored up on your back? Look with me at the word that Paul uses to describe all the weight that he'd given up. Verse 8. Do we have verse 8 available? Uh, no. 
We do not. <laughs> Very important verse, verse 8, which I did not put on the screen, so I'm trusting you actually got your Bible out. But if you did not, let me refresh your memory. Okay? Verse 8 says this. All the way back. Where am I at here? Here it is. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider, and he's talking about all the things that he's giving up, all that resume, all the things you think are so important, I consider them garbage. That's what he says. I consider them garbage. Other translations say rubbish. Let me tell you what this word actually means, okay? The actual word translated is poop. I kid you not, okay? Excrement. <laughs> that's a nice word. <laughs> Excrement. <laughs> he, literally, that's what he's saying. Even more literally, you can fill in your own swear word. Beep. Yep, that's literally what he is saying. The one that rattles around in your brain every day when you're driving through this crazy city, okay? That's what he's saying. What? Paul swore? Well, I'm not sure if like words had the same weight then as they do now as swear words, but Paul really thought that, get this, in comparison, in comparison to Jesus, in comparison to what he's done for you, all the best things that you could do are very not good, okay? That's literally what he thinks. Poop, worthless, flush it down. It's extra weight you need to relieve yourself of, okay? And I think some of us need to hear this this morning. We need to hear this truth because we don't believe it. I think most of us think we got an edge. Like, you don't understand, Pastor G. I got these gifts, things that God's given me, and then qualify me to another level. I got that need, the title, okay? Are you willing to give those up? Come on, Pastor G, what was the point of the whole education thing? I mean, I'm in debt for the next 43 years. You're saying this doesn't give me an advantage? Are you willing to let it go? But Pastor G, I've only ever voted Republican Democrat. You can figure that out. Uh, that gives me some serious edge. Can you lose that? Can you let that go? Because none of these things are bad in themselves. Circumcision wasn't a bad thing. Your vocational choices aren't a bad thing. Voting isn't a bad thing. God can even use those things. But as soon as you start to think that you get something from it over top of someone else, right? Like, like it gives you some sort of edge over others. As soon as it becomes Right? That's worthless, rubbish, garbage, poop, dead weight on your back. That's what it is. I want to speak transparently for just a second. If you got this weight on your back right now, right now you got this weight on your back, you're probably in some heavy denial. And that's not just a river in Egypt. Okay? You're hearing this and you're not agreeing with me. You're thinking, he's talking about something else, someone else, not me. Right? Yes, you. No, you, yep, yeah. no, you, yes, you, yep, yeah. you, yes, okay? I'll say it again and again till it sinks in. 
okay? Paul wasn't giving an excuse for the generation on the 20th century, okay? But in case of a crazy situation where you must win the culture war, this rule does not apply. No, I'm talking about you right now, right here, all the things you think are so important that give you an edge, that make you a real Christian in order to get you back on track to move anywhere in this life with anything that matters. You got to lose it all, baby. <laughs> you got to get rid of the weights. You got to get rid of the weight. For some of us, that means changing our thinking. Some of us, that means stop judging. Some of us, that means praying. Some of us, that means giving up some things. Things that we think make it so important in our lives to find who we are. Paul closes this section. He gives us the key. The key to finishing the race. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Whoa, Paul. Thank you for the transparency. I'm not even there yet, is what he's saying. I'm still giving up the weight. I'm still working on it. But one thing I do. Next verse. Next verse. Oh, no, that's it. Sorry. Go back. <laughs> I was like, brothers and sisters, I answer this. Taking over. But one thing I do is in the middle. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There it is, the key. I forget. I strain, I press on. I forget, I strain, I press on. You want to know how to keep going in this race? How to finish? Forget, strain, press on. Forget. Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead. If you could just memorize one thing, Walk away with one thing. This might be the most practical and beneficial. All of us have done things in our lives we're not proud of. We regret. They sit on us like shame. They may seem big or small in the world's eyes, but in our eyes, it is the weight on us daily. Let me tell you about God's grace. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103.12 As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. When we confess our sins to God, this is what He does. He forgets them. When He, when he looks at you, He sees Jesus in you. We're the ones who have the problem with forgetting. We become stuck on something that God has already moved past. And I'm sure Paul had some of the worst of them all. Remember he just said he was a persecutor of the church. I bet people died because of Paul. Maybe by his hands, but at least by his authority. And I bet that weighed on him. And I bet in this moment he's saying, forgetting what is behind. Forgetting what is behind. Here's the thing. Shame will just hold you down. 
pull you back, and it's definitely a tactic of Satan. There's godly sorrow where you repent and give it to God, and there's demonic shame where you can never be free of it. Paul is saying, forget. I forget what has already gone past, and I strain. I forget, I strain. He says, straining toward what is ahead. Straining toward what is ahead. Straining is best seen in the act of walking a dog. I figure since we talk about dogs so much in this sermon, we might as well use them again, okay? You ever seen a dog that's walking a person, okay? <laughs> Where they're like straining and pulling them down the sidewalk, okay? That's the kind of straining that Paul is talking about here. Where literally, the, you know, when, the dog, when my dog does this sometimes, it's like, it's not even there's anything in front of them that they even know about. They're just excited that we're going somewhere, okay? That's literally this kind of straining. We don't know exactly what the next step will be. We know the end. Like for them, they're like, we're going to the lake, okay? Or the park or wherever they think in their brains, right? But they, for them, they don't know what the next step is going to be. For us, we don't know what the next step is going to be. But we strain forward. It's that idea of taking our eyes off. We forget what's behind. We strain forward because we know that God has a good plan for our lives. That's what Paul's saying. He's saying, be straining ahead, pulling towards the good things that God is going to do in and through you. And I press on. I press on. That's the next verse there. Press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And even in those moments when you feel like, I don't even know God. I don't feel like pressing on. When everything seems to have failed, when you don't know how you'll put one step in front of the other, you press on because of the prize. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. The prize. God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. This pattern, you can go back to the slide there. The pattern, the press, the, yeah. This pattern, I forget, I strain, I press on, can be so freeing for you to start fresh on the race again today. Yes, you can start this race you, you, sorry, you can't start this race without faith in Jesus. You've you got to get rid of the weight that can hold you down. But to keep going, to keep going, I forget, I strain, I press on. What is God showing you this morning? What is He showing you this morning? I'm sure He's speaking to you about your place in this marathon. Maybe where you've come from, where you've gone, where you got lost, and now it's 60 years later, okay? And God is saying to get back on. Let God come into that place with you. Let Him bring you back. Allow Him to strip you of the weight that you've added on. What is God speaking of this morning? Maybe some of you are sitting here and you're saying, I've never started this race. I don't know what it means to, 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 to walk with God. Let me tell you, it's free by God's grace. God's grace in Jesus alone. Let Him, let, Him, let Him do that work in you today. We would love to talk with you. Please, please, please text the church line and one of our pastors will call you. 
Just text and say, I need prayer. One of us will call you. We'd love to talk with you in this moment. We don't want to miss what God is doing. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your graciousness. You never give up on us. Even when we get lost for 50 years, start our own life, you don't give up on us and you constantly chase us down and draw us back. God, I pray for each person listening this morning. Jesus, you know my foolish words, the weak weakness of me may cause distractions, may cause people to get lost, whatever it is, God, but you can penetrate the heart. And more than anything this morning, God, that's what we need. We need your spirit. Speak to each man and woman this morning that is listening. Let them hear your voice. Knock down the walls that they've put up between you and them. God, I pray that you would draw them to you. I pray for the person that's like, man, I need prayer, but I'm, I'm nervous to text the line. I pray that you would strengthen and encourage them to text our line. Allow them to connect with our pastoral team this morning, Jesus. Thank you for your words that you've left us. That is truth and reality. God, align us with that this morning. I pray this in your name. Amen. You have been listening to New Life Community Church in Rogers Park. If you have been blessed by this message, please let us know. Now go and live a new life.